Welcome to Series 2 of the Heads Up Podcast. In this series, we're going to speak with ex-professional rugby players about their careers. More specifically, we're going to talk about their concussion experiences and their experiences with concussion management. Our first guest in the new series is Connacht's Ronan McLaughlin. Cheers. Thanks very much, Ed. Yeah, glad to be chatting to you. So, so Ron, just just to get the old, uh, the, the ball moving, I suppose, really, uh, if you don't mind, I'd love to kind of get, a, you know, an overview of um, of your career, where you played, you know, the kind of levels, you know, that, that you got to. And then, you know, I was getting a bit nostalgic the other night, I was watching the final, the, the 2016 yeah. final there. So, yeah. just, I suppose, the the reasons then why, why you probably retired from, out of the game. Yeah, native Galwegian and started playing with Galwegians, the club, uh, one of the, I suppose, two main clubs here in Galway when I was seven and just continued all through the underage uh, set up there until I got to probably 60, under 16s, I think back then they used to kind of pull in uh, to the net with the Connacht setup. So got a, got a trial there. I think they start much younger now. I think nowadays they're, they're looking at them when they're 10 and 12, but uh, got a trial for the Connacht youths and that went well. And that kind of got me into the system there and was part of the first Connacht Academy at the time they changed from the Irish Academy to the Provincial Academies. Uh, so they, there was five of us in the first Connacht Academy. I'm trying to think of what year that was now. Um, I got my first contract in first first development contract in 2005, so that would have been probably 2002, 2003. But uh, yeah, played with Galwegians and Corinthians actually uh, in the underage setups. It was nice, a, nice. Was a, yeah, a pretentious <laughs> change there, yeah. but Galwegians at one stage their underage setup kind of fell apart a bit and they couldn't feel the team. So much and all, as we disliked the local rivals, uh, a lot of us went out to. Uh, Corinthians but uh, from there I went to, to college in Limerick I went down there and played uh, got a, a scholarship with UL Bowes played for three years down there and then as I said was in the kind of Connacht underage system in the youths 19s and 21s and off the back of playing Connacht 21s there for a few years got offered a, a academy contract and then development contract so I uh, finished my final year from uh, from Galway, uh, finished my final year in business degree from UL, started my first year in 2005 with Connacht. Finished up in 2017, yeah, so um, 12 great years of on a full contract and yeah, lots of, lots of good memories, I suppose, as you said, they're the highlight probably being the, well, without doubt being uh, winning the, the Pro 12 in, in 2016, I suppose it was, but uh, I was very glad to have been a part of, given how the level that the team and, and professional setup was at when I first joined it, it was a, it was a massive contrast to, to how finished 2017. Another highlight was off the back of 2012 season where we were in the Heineken Cup for the first time, got to play uh, a couple of games for Ireland Wolfhounds and then got to go on a tour to New Zealand and got one cap uh, and then the in the one cap club, unfortunately, but I, I I suppose I don't look at it as a negative thing. I think I was I was probably lucky to get capped. It's something that I'm proud of, even though it was just the one cap. But uh, nice, yeah, nice, nice, nice team to get capped against, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, Eden Park, you know, yeah. it, was, it was as I said, I was I was fortuitous. There's a few injuries. It just left an opening, but it was a great experience, and the, the tour was a great experience. So that was probably another highlight of the twelve years. But uh, a lot of good, lot of good times, and a lot of good friends made over the years. And I uh, finished up in 2017 after I suppose the great uh, year that 2016 was, and the great season that we'd had. I, I had a pretty bad uh, year with injuries in 2017. I think I played in. Uh, like six or seven games and just kind of uh, realistically even in 2016 and the years 
preceding that, I had had a lot of injuries. I think I, I, I remember counting up. I think I'd had like 10 operations in three years mm. and different little niggly bits. Came to 2017 and I suppose the reason I stopped playing was because I wasn't offered another contract from Connacht. I was, you know, they told me quite early. You know, I was pretty pretty defiant when I was told, you know, that I, I felt that I still had more rugby in me, even though I'd come off the back of a kind of a terrible season injury-wise. I had a, I had a few kind of options. I could have gone to France. Uh, there's a couple of different teams down there were interested. But I suppose when I sat down, we, I was expecting uh, our, our first uh, kid um, that November. Finishing up in May and sat down with my wife and we discussed it and with my dad and my brother, two people I'd, I'd uh, I suppose uh, really put a lot of value in their advice and you know they were kind of saying you've you've had a good run of it you haven't had any major injuries whilst you've had lots of different small injuries you know you haven't had too many bad head knocks um, or you know no bad back issues or things like that so would you you know are you better just to kind of to, to hang up the boots now and haven't played with, with the team that you're very proud to have been a part of and, and the, you know playing with your local team is a, is a dream come true really mm-hmm. so they were kind of saying what do you want to get out of it going abroad you know so um, again not a not a kind of soul searching and uh, very much a lot of time spent thinking about it and took all those opinions on board and really I think when I finished up I was you know I was I was kind of laughing at the fact that I was so defiant when they told me that uh, you know there wasn't going to be another contract from your comp you know I, I just I was kind of I think I felt like I was just going to get back and you know prove myself at the end of that 2017 season as it turns out after that I tore my bicep off the bone about two weeks after they tore me so Mm -hmm. I was kind of I wouldn't say that was the final nail in the coffin but it definitely gave me further uh, cause for uh, consideration of whether I should hang up the boots or not but definitely I'd say about a month after I'd finished and kind of had I'd met my piece that I was finishing up, you know. I was so glad I had because I think the body was just knackered, really. And, yeah. you know, as, as I said, it's only in hindsight that I, I realised how much I, how much, it, how much it weighed on me mentally as well the previous four years where I was constantly kind of worried about what shape my body was in, you know. Right. I suppose one of the things I, I, I was pretty lucky, I think, over the years that I always seemed to get a period uh, where I was injury-free or... or um, I suppose I was kind of had a decent run of games okay. before I signed contracts, and that was probably the, my worst year for it, uh, my final year. You know, it just every injury came at the wrong time, and I suppose I'd seen other lads over the years, you know, who were in negotiations and then have got an injury, and you know, it's amazing how much you can be, you know, how much one injury can put you on the back foot yeah. in those things, and how I suppose transient the whole thing is. You know, you can be met an offer and it can be taken away very quickly. But as I said, I was pretty lucky over the years with that. So I just that's that's pretty much it. I, I, I as I said, I walked away from it and I was really I was really just uh, grateful for the time I had with them as I said I was uh, massively proud to have played for Connor never I think back in the day when I started there was a lot of people used it as a stepping stone to go elsewhere even indigenous players in my head I was you know it was never really that and, and previous years I'd had offers and options to go abroad but you know I think it, it always felt like there was something building there in Connacht, you know, and, and whilst it took a long time, I think, you know, it was, as I said, it, it was all, all the sweeter when, when we won the, yeah. won the league in 2016. I think it's it's still progressing and, and hopefully still uh, things are still becoming better and better there mm. in the setup. There'll be more success like that down the line. Great description, to be honest with you. Like, you covered a lot of ground there. Uh, like, in terms of, you know, you were saying you about 10 procedures on various bits and the bicep tear and all that kind of stuff, which is extremely yeah. nasty. How's how's the body now? Like, I mean, how's your post rugby body? Like, any kind of 
yeah. long-term kind it's, of effects after. I've, I've chatted to lads like Johnny O'Connor that you've already spoke to. Yeah. Andrew Brown is another uh, good friend of mine and uh, he retired the year after me and it's funny how we a lot of us have kind of gone through the same thing and, you know, I, I knew even when I was playing that I was good. Like, I, I did uh, my first year, uh, I was contracted, I tore my ACL about six months into the season. The first game back, a really awkward tackle. Uh, same thing again, same knee, ACL went again. So I spent the guts of two years out mm. uh, with my ACL. So I think I knew all along, like that knee uh, was never, like whilst it built it up, you know, and, and recovered fully and got to, you know, never, never, thankfully never did any, had any issues with the ACL again. There's issues of cartilage mm. and stuff like that, a body bruising, but I did it. So that knee gives me a bit of guff, but I, I like, I knew when I was, even when I was playing that I was going to have to manage that as I get older, you know, and I suppose that's the, that's the trade-off yeah. Every professional player makes, you know, you know that, you know, there's you're going to have these aches and pains. But at the end of the day, there's amateur players who are in the same boat. You know, I think you talk to most people who've played sport and they have some old injury of some sort like, that gives them niggles. But I, I just, I suppose, when I train now, I'm conscious of that. And I try I try to avoid uh, putting any, uh, the two knees are actually not great. But look, I, I, do, I do lots of cycling and I do, there's plenty of things I can do. Um, outside of you know uh, I won't be running a marathon anytime soon but <laughs> another thing is I suppose just dropping weight uh, makes a massive difference you know I think yeah. I was somebody I was never lean in any way I, I was somebody who probably particularly when I was trying to play tight head I was always trying to keep mm. weight on and put weight on and like we uh, we had a forwards coach Dan McFarland yeah. uh, Jury won't mind me saying this he's, a, he's the Ulster coach now but he was very much uh, of the opinion that all his prats should be, you know, at least 19, 20 stone. Yeah, he loved the idea of a big uh, front row. And I suppose that was probably a phase in rugby as well. Yeah. You know, the, the bigger, the bigger, you know, uh, you could be the better, you know. But uh, thankfully, it's moved away from that a little bit now. But uh, the heaviest I was when I played was one. 119, 119 okay. kilos. I think I got down to about 97 there after I finished playing. And I've gone, gone up a little bit now. I'm, I'm plateaued out about one or two, uh, which I think is probably a, a fine way for me, lad. Uh, there's nothing, wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the 102, yeah. 105 kilos. Yeah, yeah, well, no, I, I just, like, I, it's, it's amazing the difference it makes on the joints, though, when you're yeah. carrying around that amount of weight and, you know, trying to do stuff. Again, it's something I've chatted to, to Andrew Brown about, yeah. really, and it's, uh, you know, he he's the same. He dropped a lot of weight, and it just you just feel so much better. Like yeah. you know, I I think, like I said, those last few years, um, I don't think you complain about it because you know I think the the narrative when you're playing professional sport is you're all, you're always people are always reminding you how lucky you are. Yeah. In fairness, it's it's a great thing to get to do, but there's. There's a lot of trade-offs as well, you know, yeah. and I think you just kind of trick yourself into not acknowledging those trade-offs uh, in, in as much as you can. But yeah, like being able to go down the, the stairs in the morning without using the handrails is, is a nice it's a plus, thing. You know, you're not constantly stiff and sore, but yeah. as I said, it's it's the same with every professional rugby player, I would say. But uh, that's a nice upside of, of finishing up. Yeah, from your own point point of view, Ronald, like in terms of like, I'm presuming you're aware of concussion as, as, as a professional athlete. Did, did you ever... Were you ever diagnosed with with a concussion or suspected concussion throughout the course of your career? Yeah, yeah, I had. Uh, I was again, as I said, when I finished up, that was one of the considerations, you know, uh, that I hadn't had any big head knocks, you know. And, and funnily enough, in Connacht, there was 
three guys, I think it was 2015, um, that had retired through concussion. Mm. And I would have been friendly with the three of them, and one of them in particular, and kind of seen, I suppose, firsthand what they were going through. Myself, I think I had, in the 12 years, I had three concussions that mm. were actually recorded on you know, the medical papers or whatever. Um, obviously, when I started playing in 2005 and that, there was knocks and bangs that, you know, and nowadays may may have would, would without doubt would come under um, concussion protocol and, mm. and that kind of thing. That just that there wasn't that protocol there. To be honest, I don't ever. I was never knocked unconscious in any of those early years. There was only once ever, and was actually playing a club game for Goalwegians that I got knocked unconscious. Yeah, it's coming back from an injury and just playing a club game and, right. and uh, got caught the wrong way in a tackle and got got knocked out. But again, I I think I was lucky in that. As I said, you see what those other guys have gone through mm. to get back at what they, you know, pretty quick to get back from from each of them. The the other two, then one of them was just a knock in a game, wasn't knocked out or anything, but just a bit wobbly and mm. had gone through the whole protocol and failed it, was kept off, and then did the whole return to play mm. uh, protocol. And the last one uh, was it was over in Italy um, against Treviso, and mm. funnily enough, it wasn't the. It wasn't a bang in the head. It was a scrum collapsed and my neck, whatever way my neck got twisted, I just, similar uh, symptoms to caution. So I don't know, was I a little bit out for a second? Uh, but, you know, I think the doctor at the time said that that can happen. It can pinch something in your neck to, to just kind of, but actually, funnily enough, that one was probably the toughest one to come back from. That I, I, You know, I was kind of that, those, I was symptomatic afterwards right. for so I wasn't actually even a bang to the head, but again, in in those three, well, sorry, bar the club game, you know, the other two, I was, I was again went through the protocol, was taken off, failed it, and was brought through the protocol, the return to play protocol, which was was great. Like you know, it's yeah. like I knew myself wasn't right anyway. Like the the one with the neck, I remember the first training session back, I ended up getting sick. You know, it was obviously a massive red flag for them but I had gone through the you know the, the kind of lighter stuff okay. before that what, 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 kind, what kind of symptoms were you did, did you experience just as a matter of like you were saying that that was a question I was going to ask you in terms of you know experiencing a concussion without getting a direct blow to the head it's it's quite common yeah. you know and just yeah. just talking to the other lads as well and even just from from anecdotal experience you don't need to have the massive head clash it can just happen in different yeah. in different ways but what what kind of you, you mentioned there that you that you were that you were getting sick like what how did your symptoms kind of manifest across the across the concussions back on it now I suppose like the the usual thing of after the game, I suppose the, the um, that one where I was knocked out in the club game. Um, I'd say that was again the, the more than the neck one. They, they were the two kind of memorable ones. But that kind of forgetfulness after the game, the disorientation. I actually the, the neck one when I came off on the sideline, I got sick as well. Um, so that was. And again, I don't know is that from disorientation or what? What was it exactly? But other than that, just uh, the one. The one where I got knocked out completely in the club game was definitely uh, headaches anyway. Right. And uh, again, it's it's a long time ago that yeah. one. That's probably seven years ago, I'd say. So I don't I don't remember it exactly. I just remember that one. I I don't think I, I, it's probably it could be even more than seven years ago. Right. I don't think I don't know whether the proper protocols were actually even in place then. Yeah. So it was kind of and it was a young physio I remember with the club team. So I actually played on after that, which was a. Uh, Again, I've, I've since learned how dangerous that is, mm. but uh, it, there was nobody there to, I suppose, to make a decision. Yeah, like really, I suppose the symptoms were that after that one where I got the bang to the head, it was, it was headaches and disorientation. And then the one, the neck, 
was very much just uh, disorientation and kind of okay. dizziness. And then I suppose, uh, like, I suppose it's hard to say about sleeping or stuff like that. I don't remember a period where I was really struggling with the sleep or that, okay. but I, the, the kind of dizziness with that neck one, I remember going back jogging um, in the early stages of the protocol. And like, even just that movement of a light jog was like, I just mm. felt woozy after, you know, mm. that it, it was just uh, disorientating. But uh, like I said, I think maybe it was the, it was the contrast uh, with, those guys who had particularly bad instances of concussion and recurring concussion. Mm. But I, I, mine seemed very mild relative to when I got back, I got back within probably a, a month of okay. I'd say it was the longest I was out. Okay. And I never had any issues. Like they, they were very much spaced apart. Whereas I had seen those guys and it was like, you know, they do the, the prescribed break and the first game back, they get another okay. one and then they'd for, be waiting again for another. Just on that one, it's just interesting. And again, I, I know you, you didn't experience it because your experience was slightly different, but three players that you were talking about there, in light of that, do you think if you get one concussion that you're you're possibly more susceptible to experiencing them uh, more frequently? What's kind of your, I, your, your, your I, take I, on that one? I would imagine so. I would imagine so. And, and again, like it's hard not to be influenced by what I saw with those lads but to me it just seemed like they were you know and there's other guys within rugby that you know you would kind of go geez that guy's had a lot you know Mm. and 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 you kind of you see them go into into contact and you're kind of going like when you watch a game, you know, you, the, the certain bits where you're kind of like, you know, if you, if you see a bang or a, somebody fall a certain way, as I said, there's other guys in rugby who've had a lot of head knocks and who, mm. who you see or would have seen in the past and they look like they're potentially have got a knock that would have concussed them. But now, obviously things are, are totally different now to seven or eight or even 10 years ago when, yeah. when there was no acknowledgement of it really unless you were out cold. But it seems to me that if, if you were to get a couple in succession, that it's it's very much a case that you, you're probably more susceptible to them. It's lucky that after coming back from those, each of those three that I, I didn't just get, I wasn't unlucky enough to get another bang that, that warranted a concussion or maybe I got to a period where, you know, I had, I had a chance to recover enough that okay. I wasn't as susceptible. I often wonder as well whether there's just some, and, and I'm sure there is no doubt that there's some people are just more susceptible to yeah. concussion than, than others for whatever reason, biological reason or whatever. But um, if you've had one, you know, I think that's been proven. I'm not, mm. you know, we, we get, obviously there's a lot of information fed in and particularly when they brought in the protocols first, I suppose they, they made a big effort to kind of help us understand, you know, the dangers of it, but mm. also... Um, why the protocol was in place and how the protocol was, what they were basing the protocol uh, measures on. You know, I've heard a lot of different criticisms of them, uh, but I think where they are now relative to when I started playing, you know, there's no comparison at all. And I think there's there's nearly, uh, it's it's very much frowned upon if if it looks like somebody, medical medical staff aren't uh, putting the players first. And I think it's, it's a long time since that's been the case that medical staff are really, conscientious with that kind of thing and you know the, the last few years I played at Connacht there you know you really there was no question the physios would, would put players before before what, what the coaches wanted you know yeah. and I know in, in the past maybe that was different mm. uh, with different teams it's that's that's I suppose a big change for them you know it's just that they're that accountability there and they had the, yeah, the protocols huge. to fall back on. A bit of an add-on to that one, like you were saying that you were you were symptomatic maybe for three or four weeks after, after the concussion you experienced. Like, have any CT scans, you know, for, for any of the concussions or any experience around that? No, didn't. There's never a question of that, you know, mm. I, I don't think. Like, I, I fractured my eye socket before and had had CT, CT scans for that. Mm. But again, I had no concussion or anything around that. It was, it was 
it was never really tabled that you would do yeah, something like gotcha. that. I, don't, I, you know, I don't know. Is that is there evidence to to show that 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 is something worthwhile doing or not? But it didn't really come into the onto the radar. Like from from your own point of view, did you have any two bits to this? Like one, you were saying that when you, when you were out for a jog, the motion was was making you feel a bit woozy yeah. and stuff like that. Did you were you ever in a situation where emotionally you were you were kind of feeling a bit disrupted or you just didn't feel the same or you were a bit irritable or a bit sharp or yeah. did that manifest? Yeah, well, manifest sorry, that's, that's something I actually totally overlooked and that's something that I do remember now that you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, definitely after, um, I'm not sure which one it was after. As I said, there, there were both, like the last two years in my career there, I didn't have any head knocks, thankfully, and I think it was probably, it's all, I, I'm sure I could access all of this because they have it all filed away in your, mm. in your medical files, but uh I remember after one of them, I think it was the neck one, uh, just having, I, th- I think it lasted about three weeks, just where I think the, the easiest way to describe it was like that, I had a bit of a cloud over me, you know, and mm. I don't mean in the sense that I was foggy, I think just that I was a bit down. Yeah. Um, that could be uh, explained away by the fact that you're not playing and you're out injured. Mm. You feel like you're okay, you know, you don't actually have a, a muscular injury injury or anything wrong with you physically by concussion, you know, mm. so you feel like you could play, but then as I said, you go to jog and then you feel dizzy. But so like being injured is never a nice prospect, but uh, I remember being a bit down. This yeah. is the only way to put it. You know, I, um, I don't think I'm, I wouldn't be, uh, I, don't, I don't know, my wife might say different, but I don't <laughs> think I'm a moody person normally. I right. think I'm usually fairly positive. So I actually, because I, I suppose it's one of the things in the in the uh, protocol, I think you have to answer on that kind of, around that kind of thing, whether you're a little bit more emotional or that. Mm. And, and I definitely felt that I was just... Uh, not, not as happy for those few weeks as I yeah. said part of that could have been the fact that I wasn't playing but yeah. um, I think it was a bit more than that probably but uh, yeah that was another symptom that I, I probably uh, yeah. overlooked there well, it's just, just interesting like I mean from from just from uh, like you know just I suppose to move move on the, the chat a bit like where, where do you think we're at that we're at at the minute like have, have we gone to the kind of are we overemphasizing everything are we kind of hitting the right tone or is there still a fair bit of room to improve discussion around? Because you just made an interesting point there, actually, that you were kind of saying that if you had a muscular injury, it's an injury. You know, it's something physically that you can yeah. that you can kind of see. Whereas just speaking to another couple of the pros as well, it's like that maybe concussion isn't an injury or doesn't because you, you can't see it. It's not a broken bone. It's not like a yeah. it's, not, it's not like a no, muscle or anything like. No, what you're saying, and and I think. Again, I can't help but be influenced by the three guys that I saw retire yeah. in those previous years. Previous to that, I might have had that attitude, you know, that it was like, oh, look, I'm grand, you know. And every every player, like I mentioned at the start, you know, you're, you're constantly playing for your livelihood. Yeah. And it's always in the back of your head about, you know, what, what position am I in now from the point of view of, of securing a contract next time like probably the only time there's a bit bit less stress around that is when you've just signed a, a two year contract right. you know you have a bit of breathing room bit of pressure off you even if I got, yeah. yeah even if I got serious injury now I'd have time to get back yeah. but so I think every player always wants to play and they want to be fit and able to, you know because you're only as good as your last game you know you can build up a certain amount of credit in the bank but mm. You know, uh, as I said, it's amazing when that, how that goes quickly if you get a long-term injury. So mm. I, I remember over the years being frustrated with, with that kind of thing, you know, going, look, and, and as I said, in the early years in particular, you know, it was always, oh, I'm fine, you know, there's no 
there's not like I got a bang, but I'm grand, I'm a bit yeah. dizzy and grand. Yeah. So like, I think, yeah, definitely there was a bit of that kind of attitude towards head knocks and that, I think yeah. in the earlier days, but I think it's, it's come full circle. Um, like the protocols, I remember kind of saying it to, to somebody after that, I, I uh, got a, I had to do a, do HIA, I think in my, in 2016, it was the first time I had, uh, done the one where you go into the changing room and you, yeah. uh, you're given a list of words you're, you have to walk the line I was saying mm. in the middle of a game you know your adrenaline is going so much you're so pumped up that I was saying you nearly struggle to do it you know like because they give you a list of words I don't know is it uh, eight or ten words mm. and then you have to walk this line uh, you, know, you have to repeat them back to them which is fine the first time but then you have to walk the line and do a few other things balance on one leg and then they mm. ask you to repeat the words again you just about you know in fairness I passed the, the HIA but I was saying if you're if you're anyway cost I can't imagine that you would get through it you know yeah. so I think from that point of view it seemed like the, the, the protocols were tough enough to to really identify anybody who had been concussed. As regards the return to play thing, it's very much, I, I know they're doing the best they can, but it just seems it's like, you know, you kind of play it by ear really mm. and it's based on your symptoms. And if you're, if you feel, if you, if you get back and you're playing and you're okay, or, or you're training rather, and you don't have any of the symptoms, but you know, you kind of, part of you wonders then, are, is there still that kind of, damage in there and yeah. is, is it am I just waiting for another knock you know yeah. but I think uh, I don't think they're overprotective I think as I said there's a it, you know there's nearly it's uh, frowned upon very much I think yeah, if yeah. teams are, are are seen to be pushing guys back too quick if uh, medical staff aren't I suppose player centric mm. or whatever like but I, as I said my experience was always that it was you know player first and very much the player would be the one yeah. That would, I suppose, direct the medical staff as to how they were feeling. You know, it was it was it was done in, in conjunction with the medical staff, obviously. Yeah. But if the player didn't feel right, there was never any pressure. Uh, but I suppose the, that that doesn't stop a player from kind of putting himself in a dangerous position because of the pressures of, like I said, playing for your livelihood. You know, yeah. there's guys who probably have, without doubt, over the years, put themselves back before they they felt hundred mm. percent because you know they needed to needed to play, but. Mm. Uh, medical staff nowadays are so good that it's it's hard for them to do that without being uh, fairly close to being right yeah really good insights there um, like from your own point of view and again like like you were you were saying you know I suppose the more you talk about it the more just remember the the bunch of events around it like but like do you think like there's any long-term health you kind of alluded to it but like do you think there's any long-term health risks or your health or just your well-being what's your opinion on that one like yeah, well, I, I made the mistake of watching that movie uh, Concussion a few years ago. <laughs> so All right. It was a bit uh, harrowing watching that. Uh, but uh, yeah, like, I suppose I'd be silly to say there isn't. I suppose I can, that's the one thing that worries me, you know, is that deal with joints and mm. with, I suppose, stiffness in your back or things like that. You know, like everybody gets that as they get older and, and it's the kind of stuff that you can manage and mm. you can, I suppose, adapt and, and it's the stuff inside. And I, I can't say that I've had, you know, like I'm, I, as I said, I, I suppose relative to other people, three concussions over the space of 12 years mm. uh, might be a lot. It is, it is something that, you, you know, I definitely thought about more when I was playing was, right. was the long term and, you know, what kind of 
shape are you going to be in you know as you get older you know as i said i read read a bit around a bit more around uh Dr. Emmett Amalu and, yeah. and you know the research they did and just about the I suppose the links with that you know there's different studies coming out at different times about the links with that constant kind of uh, head knocks and, and you know different uh, degenerative I suppose uh, neural diseases and mm-hmm. that but I suppose at this stage you know I'm, I'm, I don't feel there warrants me dwelling on it too much you yeah. know it's kind of yeah. like as I said I think I, I, I certainly haven't felt any uh, effects from that side of things. I don't think anyway. I, I, I went back last year and did a postgrad um, and it was funny to get before that. I, I would without doubt have said that my memory wasn't as good as it, as it had been. Nothing to do with head knocks or that, but I think yeah. just probably a, a bit of inactivity or, yeah. uh, you know, for, for the period once I was playing. Um, uh, but it was definitely good to... I, I definitely... Think it's something that can be worked on as well. Your your cognitive health, you yeah. know, it's something that uh, when I started studying for exams and stuff like that, again, I just felt like my short term memory wasn't as bad. Yeah. So I don't know. Is there is there something in that as well? I think keeping your your brain active is definitely uh, important as you get older. For sure. Now whether 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 the knocks and bangs over the years come back to to haunt all of us professional sports people. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I I hope it won't be. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it won't be as bad as, as some of the stuff that you've seen coming out of yeah. the NFL. But I'm also placing uh, faith in modern medicine that it'll, in the next ten years I'll be able to get new knees and, and things <laughs> like that with <laughs> some injection that repairs them. But I, I'd imagine, uh, given where where medicine has gone, I suppose that it'll it'll only be a matter of time before they're you know looking at ways of combating neurological diseases like that as well so hopefully yeah hopefully i'll never have to worry about it but um if i do uh, hopefully it'll be a long way down the line and there'll be uh, more more ways of combating them but it is something that i I thought about when i was playing i suppose particularly when you get a head knock you know it's kind of it's something that you know those guys i i'd be in touch with uh one of them a lot one of the guys that uh retired through concussion and whilst they had for a couple of years afterwards they were symptomatic for a long time afterwards. I mm. think it doesn't seem to affect their day-to-day lives now. Without doubt, I would say they probably have a bit of apprehension about okay. that in later life, whether it'll come back and, and be an issue for them. What's what's your what's what's your thoughts on scrum caps, uh, gum shields, and things like that? Do you think they offer any kind of protection in terms of mitigating yeah. against injury and stuff like that? Well, I think again, not to be quoting uh, the movie uh, that movie concussion but it, it's it's explained very simply there yeah. with the, the onion in the in the glass jar you know full mm. of water it's mm. like you know you can wrap it up as much as you want and and as you mentioned you know the neck neck knocks you know it's kind of yeah. that that one i had was funny because i've seen guys before get concussed from the whiplash you know where their yeah. head doesn't actually bang at them but yeah. They, they, they get the impact they're going one direction and the impact sends them another direction and it's actually not them hitting the ground it's the it's the movement of their head mm. and that speed or whatever I wore scrum crap for a few years it was more off the back of splitting my head up and I think and then uh, having uh, swollen ears yeah. the start of cauliflower ears that I, I used to wear it just because um, it was pretty painful the cauliflower ear mm. thing so I don't know when I was playing maybe I felt a little bit more I think this is something that they were saying was probably a bad thing that you you know that maybe you felt a bit more reckless with your with yeah. your head when you had it on and mm. I I don't know whether I could say that for definite I, I like I know that's an issue with the NFL mm. thing is that they you know they use their heads 
because they have that protection on the outside of it. But but I, I, I as I said, I can't say that I, I think I wore it for a couple of years and then I stopped wearing it. As regards, does it protect? Never felt that I suppose I had that extra level of protection really it was, it was for me it was more about my ears and as I said at the time I split the back of my head so I had to wear one for a month and then kind of got used to it you know I know there's a, a new scrum cap that a lot of the lads wore there that's this kind of you know it's like a memory foam style thing I'm not sure the name of the company again I, I think if there is a benefit to it I would say it's more as a, as a kind of a placebo effect for the wearer of it you know yeah. and, and that they feel a bit better about it but Maybe there is the danger of that, that you're, you're kind of sticking your head in a place where you wouldn't if you didn't have a scrum cap on. You were know, you're, you're, you're talking there about like the, the I suppose, it's, it's just an interesting point like that you do get a bit reckless if you're, if you feel a bit more yeah. protected. Like, I mean, what, like if, you know, if you blank, you know, sheet of paper and you're going to say, right, I can think of a couple of laws here now, or just a couple of tweaks that could maybe mitigate against uh, concussion risk and injury risk. Is there anything you kind of say, okay, World Rugby, this, this, this is what we're going to do now? Yeah, well, it's funny because uh, I'd often watch games now with friends of mine and, and uh, I think they would have more frustration with the rules and how strict they've become on the high tackle rules now than I would. You know, I, I look at it and, and to me, that's the clearest way of mitigating. I, 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 again, I don't know the stats on it, but I, I'd mm. imagine a massive amount of concussions actually come from that whiplash style thing or an impact to the head, which, mm. you know, like obviously you're going to have you know, instances where somebody gets a knock in the head on the ground, you know, or somebody's knee clips somebody's head. But I would say it's it's much less likely than in, you know, when you think about the amount of tackles per game. Yeah. If if a person has to have has to have the, the tackle below a certain height, then I think that's definitely without doubt I would say it has helped. I I, I don't know the stats on it, but I c I can't imagine that it hasn't reduced the number of concussions. The yeah. fact that they've become so strict on that. I think the other thing is, you know, the, the no arms tackles or lads use their head as a kind of a, even even in breakdowns as well, you know, there's, 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 uh, they seem to be much stricter on that, about mm. the way you enter the, the breakdown and, and that it's your shoulder you're using and, or if you make contact with somebody's head. Yeah. As I said, back in the day, like it was, you know, it's funny, even even watching, uh, you know, games, like it's, it's a while since I've seen them now, but I remember like you watch back at older games like and it's it just seems so reckless like the breakdowns and stuff like yeah. that and there was you know there was stuff that you can't you can't imagine it happening now yeah but it's a very fine line uh, between making it too sanitary and yeah. ruining the game you know so I think I think definitely the rule change there where we had to drop the height of the tackles mm. whilst it might seem overly stringent I, I think it's it's definitely benefited the players and it's it's I think it's the kind of thing that once they get used to it'll just there won't be an alternative you know and I think that comes from kind of from the grassroots up it's it's if kids are taught that from an early age it's harder for somebody who's played a certain way for 10 years to to change that you know like uh, even uh, Pat Lamb came in to coach us you know we we would have practiced defense but wouldn't have gone into the details of of tackling as much probably and you know and it was very much before he arrived that a, a big hit was rewarded you know and, and I know you can have a big hit and a, and a waist high tackle but uh, often uh, you know you see a, a big hit that somebody would kind of really stick out it's it's yeah. kind of above waist high really jolt somebody but Pat came in his focus was massively on the chop tackle which is mm. around the ankles mm. basically get get the attacker to the ground as soon as possible so that we'd have an opportunity to, to poach and it was all about getting the ball back Unfortunately for me, I was somebody who, who like, they used to actually, in the, the metrics, they'd give you, you know, I can't remember whether it was a wind tackle, they call it or whatever, but I used to 
usually get maybe at least one a game uh, okay. in a game that I was playing in. So it was something that, you know, that I, I was kind of, it was a thing for me that I'd usually got a, a, a decent hit in, in a game. Mm. But when Pat, Pat came, you know, it, it wasn't rewarded. What was rewarded was the chop tackle, you know. So it, it took a big, there was other guys in the same boat. It, t- it took a, a while for us to shift our yeah. techniques so that you would get rewarded and praised for the style of tackle. So I think it's, Again, it's it's uh, once it's hard to change rules like that. If if it makes it safer for the players and it's proven that it makes it safer, then you know it's a, it's a no brainer, really. Like um, and and as long as it doesn't ruin the game, but it's like I can't see that that people do like to see the big hits. But I still think it's a it's a funny thing, no more than in any sports, MMA. You know that people like seeing people get these killer punches that knock yeah. another person out. Or you know, it's at the end of the day, I think there's still enough entertainment within the game yeah. that you don't need uh, somebody getting smashed. And you still see guys getting smashed, but it's just done in a really, I suppose, technically strong way yeah. that doesn't put either of them at risk. Yeah. Other than that, like the other the other area I would see for guys get cautions of that is getting their head caught yeah. in a kind of an awkward position but again I think the more technically strong teams are around their defensive systems and their actual tackle technique the less likely that is to happen you know I think really uh, as I said when Pat came every little aspect of the game was broken down to a certain yeah. way and it was a way he wanted to do it for good or for bad but it meant that you had a complete understanding of how you could analyse every tackle and say well I took my the five steps you know that are outlined in how you tackle someone. I, I executed them perfectly in that mm. one, or in that one I didn't do that. Where you know I didn't drop my height just before entry, or I didn't yeah. chase my arms, or whatever. But I suppose that's the way I suppose they should. I think you know I've, I've, as I said, I have two young boys, and people have asked me before about them playing rugby when they get older, and it's just I suppose you'd hope that the coaching will negate an awful lot of that risk, mm. and that the coaching will only get better and better as as. Uh, as they get older, hopefully, and you know the younger players coming through, that they're they're not as susceptible to that stuff with the, with the rule changes as well helping. Yeah, Ronan, listen, huge thanks. Really appreciate you know plenty plenty of food for thought there. To be honest with you, um, delighted that you uh, just gave your time just to have have the old chat with me for for the podcast. So listen, mind yourself, uh, and sure yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be talking to you soon, man. All right. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ed. Okay.